Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, welcome back to the Millennial Way. I'm your host, Chase Coleman, and today's show is special. And I say that and I don't take it lightly at all because at the end of the day, Stetson students, as you guys know, my alma mater, it's, it hits home for me. And I think about the time when I was sitting down in college, getting ready for my junior year, and I was confused. I was reaching out to alumni. I was reaching out to alumni from my fraternity. I was just trying to figure out what in the world do I need to do to be the best professional that I could possibly be. And when I was sitting down thinking about the millennial way and how we're really going to attack 2020 this year, that's where this idea really came from. And I was like, man, if I was in college and I was, had the ability to just be able to speak with somebody who knew what they were doing, thinks they know what they're doing, or could just give me any type of advice, I would love to sit down with those people. And I was lucky enough to be able to network on LinkedIn to meet people who are willing to help me. And with that being said, that's where I just thought that this made perfect sense for the millennial way to do it. We have three awesome students who are coming on and joining us today from Stetson University. And what they're going to do is they're actually going to ask me questions this time. And it's almost like they're interviewing me. This is unadulterated, unedited Chase Coleman. And I, I'm being serious. These guys and gals have some amazing questions. And I'm sure same questions that a lot of you college grads or, or college students would also have. And I plan on doing this multiple times a year. We are now speaking with students from Rice University and a couple other universities to get those locked down, do more Chase Live this year. And I, I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait to get into it. But before I even touch on Chase Live today, let's take a step back and think about, holy crap, 2020. I've been talking a lot of crap about coronavirus as of recent. And the one thing that I would say to you guys is amid all of how I'm feeling about it and how I am not necessarily all too scared about it, what I would say is be safe and be sanitary and be cognizant of the people around you. If someone coughs, you don't have to run away and you don't have to make it make a whole scene about it unless you want to put it on social media. But at the end of the day, being sanitary is something that we should take seriously, not only during the coronavirus outbreak, but, you know, moving forward. I would say washing your hands is something that we should always do. Using hand sanitizer, like thinking about handshakes, all these things that we're being super cognizant of nowadays. Think about how that can actually play into your life once this outbreak is over and how you can continue to stay as safe and sanitary as you possibly can during this time. You know, I've gone to the grocery store multiple times throughout this time period and you see the loss of, of inventory on all the shelves. I think the one thing we see on social that is constant is the fact that people are buying up all of the toilet paper, all of the paper towels, all of the Lysol wipes, all of the hand sanitizer and all that fun stuff. One of my buddies actually sent me a link to an Amazon product, I would call it. And it caught me off guard because when I first got it, I was like, yo, what the hell is this? What are you sending me? And he was like, bro, click on the link and actually open it and see what it is that I'm looking at because I'm actually going to buy one of these for my house. And what I realized was that it was a bidet. If y'all have never heard of a bidet, it's how the Europeans wash their butts. They don't use toilet paper. They actually have like a spout of water come up and it's going to sound weird. And trust me, until you try it, you're going to be like, this is the weirdest thing ever. But it basically shoots water up like a water fountain. So it's not like blasting water, but it's definitely, you know, it's flowing. And then it cleans your butt for you. You take a rag, you wipe it, and then you're good to go. And you have no poop on your on yourself. So anyways, I say that because I ordered my bidet just in case this does get worse. And there's no toilet paper in the United States for years. I'm being dramatic. But at the same time, I would encourage you guys to look at just different ways that you could take care of yourself, keep yourself clean. And also really, truly, you know, stay as safe and sanitary as possible, particularly around this time, but also moving forward in our lives. So with that being said, y'all, that was my little Corona rant. I guess it's a little bit better today since I'm not actually mad about Corona, besides the fact that I've been missing sports for weeks now and how I'm about to go insane. And I still can't get over the fact that March Madness is, well, canceled. But let's get into this. This is the fun part. Let's go have some fun. Let's get into Chase Live. Wait, have you checked your watch? It's time. Yep, that's right. It's time for Chase Live. Come on, turn it up. You don't want to miss this.
Y'all, welcome to Chase Live, the first edition ever. This is awesome. So as I mentioned, y'all, I have three amazing Stetson students with me today, and I am super excited to have you guys on. Stetson is near and dear to my heart. As you guys know, I love my alma mater. If there's one thing that, you know, I will continue to brag about every single day, it's my alma mater. And just as a heads up for you guys, I've spoken on campus a few times. Um, I've actually been a cultural credit, which, you know, that's foreign to people who are outside of Stetson. But essentially what it is, is events that you have to get done. You have to get 26 of them done in the four years or five years or six years, however long you decide to stay on campus. But what you have to do is actually go and get credit for these different cultural events, whether it's going to a museum, whether it's going to a play, whether it's going to one of the arts. And I would say that's one of the good things about going to a a liberal arts school is just the fact that you have to have a wide skill set and a wide variety of different experiences in order to graduate. But anyways, with all of that being said, I'm going to pass this over to you guys. Rob, Jamie, Melissa, hit me with any question that you have. I know I see you, Rob, you got your notebook open. So we can start with <laughs> you. We can start with whoever wants to start off and we can get rocking and rolling with this one. All right. I'll start off pretty simple. So what were you involved in when you were on campus? That's that's a great question. Um, so I was involved. So as I mentioned, I played football at Stetson. So that was kind of my first first organization, you could say. And I was on the on the Division One team for three years. And during that time, I actually joined Sigma Phi Epsilon. So I was a SIG at while I was on campus. And that helped me get involved in other groups because I just didn't have the time to really get involved. Uh, playing football, we had practice at five. We had meetings at four. We had weightlifting at six. We had study hall at seven with class in between the time. So it was harder to get involved. But by being on, um, in Sigma Phi Epsilon, it gave me kind of like a leadership role to really help elevate myself and also challenge myself. Did I have much of a social life because I was so busy at Stetson? Some would argue yes, I would argue no. Um, I, would like to, I would have liked to have been a little bit more social than I was. But when I was in SIGEP, I also got on the Greek Week Committee and I got to help out during different projects, which really helped me in my professional life. So when I think about like getting involved in organizations, the one thing that I would encourage you guys to do is that whatever organizations you're involved in already, I would put that on your resume and then think about the skill sets that you're learning from that, right? So when I was on the Greek Week Committee, the one thing that I learned was one-time management because I had a crap ton of stuff going on and I needed to prioritize my priorities, right? What, I have an exam coming up tomorrow, but I also have a Greek Week Committee tonight. Which one's more important? To me at the time, maybe the Greek Week Committee, and then I'll study for my exam a little bit after. And by I say all that because when you come into like job interviews, for example, they're going to ask you about your skill set and your experiences. And the things that you get to lean back on are what you experienced in college. And say you're a part of an organization such as Greek Week, it teaches you time management, it teaches you prioritization, and then it also teaches you how to delegate tasks. Because I was the, the chairman on the Greek Week Committee, we were, my counterpart and I, Maddie, were in charge of like all of Greek Week, but we had our people who we could delegate things to. Hey, you're in charge of Monday, you're in charge of Tuesday, you're in charge of Wednesday, and it goes on. But we were able to kind of lift up, is what I would say, and kind of see it from an oversight perspective. So that way, those people were doing all the, all the tasks, and we were just ensuring that it was still happening. So that's a great question and a really good starter question because I do think organizations on campus are, are key, particularly when you're starting to get involved in, you know, moving forward in your professional life. But anytime that you're involved in any organization, like try to highlight that and then think about the skills that you're learning from it rather than thinking about like the things that you've accomplished from it. If that makes sense. What was your major when you were here? Ooh, that's a, uh, that's a fun question. So I graduated with my uh, degree in marketing. But I changed my major seven times while I was at Stetson. Oh. So I started off, it's, it's funny, I was actually just talking to one of my buddies about this yesterday. So I started off as a biology major, first semester freshman year, thought I wanted to go pre-med, my mom's a nurse, made sense to be a doctor, all that fun stuff. Um, after a 3.0 GPA, my uh, professor pulled me aside and was like, are you sure you want to go to med school? And I was like, uh, ooh, you wouldn't be asking me that question if you weren't like considering me doing something else. She's like, maybe you should try business. And that's when I was like, okay, I'll give business a go. Um, I changed my major in the school of science to integrated health science. So I did that for like another semester while taking business courses. And then 
such as yourself, Melissa, I tried accounting, um, thought I loved accounting. I didn't love math, but I loved the debits and credits and moving things across financial accounting. Wasn't for me. Uh, my professor pulled me aside and she was like, maybe you shouldn't be an accountant. Maybe you should try like sports business or something. So they knew I like my two main skills that I had in classes were presentations and uh, writing papers. I sucked at tests. I could like homework was something that I did, but I didn't really ever take it seriously. And after taking a marketing course, I took consumer dynamics, which is like a entry level marketing course. Dr. Nicholson pulled me aside and she was like, Chase, I know you've changed your major like four or five times now because I tried out family business. My dad is an entrepreneur. So I thought maybe that was the route I wanted to go. Tried out accounting, tried out finance because I knew that those guys make a lot of money on Wall Street. And I was like, I would love to make a lot of money as a 22 year old. Um, and then when Dr. Nicholson pulled me aside, she was like, you're a marketer. And like the the skills that you have right now today are going to help you excel as a marketer in your professional career. And I was lucky that going into my senior year, I ended up changing over into marketing. And that's when I really, truly fell in love with it. So I say all that because it's it's never too late to change your your mind, especially in your career. I've, I've done, shoot, I've had four different roles now in corporate America. And I've worked in sales strategy and consulting for a year. And then the other three years have been within marketing. And I would say that the, the amount of experience that I've, I've learned in every single role that I've held has helped shape me to be the quote unquote, and this is what other people are saying, not myself, but well-rounded person and well-rounded professional that I am today. And that's because I've had different experiences and also understand a little bit about the financial aspect of the business to be able to speak to it. But I'm also comfortable enough saying like, I, I don't know a lot about that. So can you help me understand a little bit more about this? So I would say like, you know, I got my, my degree in marketing. It was, I'm super happy that I did, but say you get your degree and, you know, Jamie, you're studying digital art and anthropology, right? Say you get your degree in that you could still become a corporate marketer. Like it's more about the skill sets more than it is the actual degree. But at the same time, like your degree is important because that's your kind of like, uh, it breaks down the barrier to entry, right? So when you go to apply for a big company or a small company or a medium sized company, whatever it may be, you apply, they see that you have your bachelor's check, and then they're going to look at everything else and say, okay, what else does, you know, Melissa or Jamie or Rob offer to me? What did you do immediately after graduation? Um, immediately after graduation, I moved to Seattle. So I started, shoot. So we graduated on a Saturday morning and I moved to Seattle that Sunday and ended up starting with Starbucks that Monday. So I'll take a step back. When I was going into my senior year, um, finally declared marketing is my major. I knew that that was my last chance to actually change my major. So I was like, this is it. This is my one chance. And I did two internships before that. So I had an internship with a pharmaceutical company the summer before out in Cincinnati, out in Cincinnati. did product management as an intern. It was awesome. Realized that pharmaceuticals wasn't necessarily the industry for me, but that was the kind of career path I wanted to go on. And the summer before that, I did a financial advising internship in Atlanta with a small uh, financial advising firm. And when I was going into my senior year, I was very, very committed to getting a grad, getting a job before graduation. I was like, if there's one thing that I'm going to do my senior year, it's that before I walk across that damn stage, I'm going to have a job offer in hand and whether I've accepted it or not, like that's what I want to do. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, where I wanted to work. I knew that Starbucks was a place I wanted to work because one, I was a barista there and two, one of my uncles was an executive. So I thought, I could possibly get in there. And um, as I started applying with them, I actually did not get the internship two years before or the year before. So I was a little bit nervous and was lucky enough to be brought on for on-site interviews around like the January timeframe and then got offered the job in February, which was ideal. It was fantastic. I cried. Um, I laughed. I partied a lot right after that because I was super excited. Um, and then, but the problem was that they wanted me to start that Monday following graduation. So I kind of had to take the the bull by the horns, take no vacation right after graduating and, you know, maybe take off a final or two and really just enjoy myself. And then I embarked on adulthood right then. So it was a crazy journey. If I look back on it, would I have taken one to two weeks off because they probably didn't need me that exact date right after I graduated? Sure. Um, but at the same time, like I would say, the earlier you start looking for jobs. And for me, it was really about networking. Um, I met a lot of people within Starbucks just through LinkedIn. And they helped me tremendously with my interviews. They, when I ended up coming on site and coming out to Seattle for my interviews, I ended up speaking with a lot of them, even though they, they had never seen me 
besides virtually before. So it was a lot of fun. And looking back at the beginning of my career, I would say like I would do it all over again the same way, except maybe take a week or two off. So that way I could, you know, enjoy myself rather than just jumping right into it. So from there, where did you go? Like, how did you get a job after the Starbucks Corporation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. So my career journey has been a little, I would say a little difficult um, or crazy. It's been a roller coaster. So the first business unit that I worked on at Starbucks was Tivana uh, Retail. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but four years ago or three years ago, we actually closed down all Tivanas within all stores. So my job was getting eliminated. So I was like, shit, what the fuck? Like, I've only been here for a year and now I'm already losing my job, right? So I got lucky and they they pegged me a high performer and they moved me over into the CPG division of Starbucks. And while I was there, I worked there for about a year, year and a half. And then my division actually got bought out by Nestle. So I had two quick transitions, right? Year one, lose your job and then you get moved over into a different job. And then year two, you get bought out by a different company and you're like, what the hell is going on? So Nestle bought us for uh, $7.2 billion. Um, and that's how I got ended up moving to Nestle. So that was accidental, I would say. And then when I was at Nestle, I knew that it was a place that I didn't necessarily want to be for this part in time of my career. I wanted to get back into retail. I wanted to get closer to the consumer, as I would say. And during that time, I started networking with my network, people that I worked with at Starbucks who had left, um, you know, people who were outside of Seattle and living in LA or living in Chicago or something like that. I was open to moving as well. And then at the end of August, I got a call from my current manager who I worked with at Starbucks. And she was like, hey, I have this open position and I don't only want you for it, but I need you for it. And I was like, well, where are you at? What are you doing? And we ended up sitting down for a coffee um, the next week, just for about 45 minutes to an hour. She explained the job to me, told me she was at Nordstrom, told me that it's a promotion, all these different things. I considered it heavily. Um, I was not necessarily at a bad place with Nestle, but I was also you know, still open to other job opportunities. And then when they gave me that offer letter, man, Rob, I was like, <laughs> I'm going to Nestle or I'm sorry, I'm going to Nordstrom. And that's when I, and I mean, I get a discount there. Like there's so many different perks too, but the fact that I was going to be able to work for someone that I knew that I trusted, that I knew trusted me was kind of the bigger thing of it. And then the perks were just, you know, added on benefits to it. So I would say, yeah, keeping my network open. And that's been the biggest thing for me in my professional life is that when I go to apply for other jobs, say I'm looking for a job right now, which I'm not, but say I'm going to apply it like a Google or a Facebook or some big tech company that I would love and aspire to get into one day. I actually end up reaching out to like my friends who work within those companies before I even send in an application because I'm like, hey, one, could you help me out with like the application process? What do I need on my resume? Can you take a look at my resume? Do I need a cover letter? All those different things. And then secondarily, it's like, can you give me a referral? Like, can you help me get to the top of the stack? Because I don't want to be in the middle of the stack where, you know, the recruiter looks through 15 resumes, mine's the next one. And they're like, now nah, we already found three people that we want to interview. And shoot, my, my interviews at Nordstrom were quick. I had three interviews. I met, or I'm sorry, I had four interviews. I met with four people for 30 minutes. And in reality, each of them was a conversation. They were like, so what are you looking for? Like, they already knew that I was, I was good because my manager had kind of went to bat for me. So they were like, let's just make sure that you're a cultural fit and then we'll rock and roll from there. And I ended up starting with Nordstrom at the end of October and was lucky enough for them to give me two weeks off um, to really just enjoy myself, relax for a little bit, get ready for the transition and then move over. So now I work on um, the Nordy Club, which is the loyalty program. So if you guys ever shop at the Nordstrom, Nordstrom Rack, online at uh, Hotlook, um, sign up for the Nordy Club so I could send you guys some emails. <laughs> Advertising, wow. Hey, that's what we do as marketers, come on. <laughs> Um, I have a question. So after college, there's not a lot of structure to uh, learning. So where would you say you've learned the most? It could be either personal or professional. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that question, Melissa. I think so. F I'll start with this. I think learning is a key aspect of life. And I think if you want to grow in your life personally or professionally, you have to continue to challenge yourself to learn. Um, the one thing I noticed in my career just year one was that I was spending a lot of time at the office and I wasn't spending a lot of time working on myself. And I started my blog at that time, which ended up turning into this podcast, which has been a lot of fun. And I've learned a lot through that just by trial and error. Um, I mean, shit, like trial and error every hour, if not every day. Um, 
but the biggest thing for me was actually looking up different courses that could help me in my professional life. So I knew in my, in year one in my career that I was not good at analytics at all. Like finances and understanding numbers and how numbers drive a business was not my strong suit at all. And I, I personally do not like being bad at things. I would, I'd rather be average at something than I'd rather be bad at it. And again, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I like to be quote unquote well-rounded. So that way I can at least speak to things and at least sound knowledgeable when I'm speaking to things. So one thing that I did was I started investing in myself. Um, I started taking online courses. There's great courses. Um, Harvard Business School Online actually has some really, really great courses. They have about seven of them. And they it's a obviously a prestigious school, right? And I took an um, analytics course, a business analytics course through them. It was about $1,500. So it's a, it's a little expensive, but you can finance it. And quite frankly, when you think about it over the course of like 12 months, 100 bucks a month when you're making a salary really isn't too bad. Um, or you could put it over 24 months and pay 50 bucks a month, right? Like you can, you can make it work, but investing in myself was the biggest thing that that has helped me professionally and personally be, because by taking that course over eight weeks, I literally sat down and I was studying every night. I was doing different things for it. And it wasn't that extensive, but I wanted to get an A in the course and ended up getting a, um, the certificate with the highest honors that you can because of how well I did in the course. But not only did I, was I able to, to take that course and take that time to really help myself learn, but then I started applying that into my work. And that was the funnest part about it was because like my manager was looking at me and he was like, how the hell did you do this so quickly? And I'm like, oh, well, remember I told you I was taking this course? And he was like, you learned. And it's like, that's been the most fun for me. So like being able to take courses and really investing in yourself. And there's also LinkedIn has courses that are like free that you can take. And they don't have to be like eight week courses. They don't have to be eight month courses. They don't have to be, you know, a month course. Like it could literally be a, a two hour course that you take and that you learn. I'll, I'll give you one other example. So last night uh, for my podcast, I actually bought this brand new um, like audio service. And my producer is the one who works on it. But I was like, I don't know how the hell this works. So if he has a question for me, I'm not going to be able to answer it for him. So I spent two hours last night just on YouTube, like looking up like how to do Ad Adobe Audition. How am I supposed to actually like work in this? How can I record? How can I send stuff? How can I cut and splice? So that way I at least had the knowledge. So when my producer starts working in it, he could be like, dude, do you know how to add an effect to this? And I could be like, wait, I learned this in my YouTube video and I could, and I could show you real quickly, right? So I would say just being curious about different things, even if it doesn't even relay into your work, and just really going out there and taking the initiative to help yourself to help yourself learn. Um, because at the end of the day, like once you graduate college, you don't have a teacher to help you understand what you're good and what you're bad at. And I would just say kind of like looking, uh, I wouldn't say you're bad at, but what you're good and what you have your opportunities at, because you could always get better at things. And I think taking the time to just sit down and learn it in a very um, like intentional way is the best thing that could behoove you for your entire career. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> good. Y'all take your time. You got time. I guess that's my turn. <laughs> okay. Um, what was your dream job as a freshman compared to when you were a senior? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. You know, I think our dream jobs evolve as life goes on, right? Like when I think back to when I was five years old, I wanted to be president of the United States. I am now 25 years old and I still kind of want to be president of the United States, but I have a lot of other <laughs> goals before that. And when I was a freshman in college, I was coming in, I had, again, no idea what I wanted to do, let alone from a major perspective, let alone what I wanted to do in life. And I came in and I dreamt of being this big anesthesiologist making $250,000 coming out of med school, you know, making a shit ton of money, helping people and really like working in hospitals for the next 20, 30, 40 years. But when I think back to like my actual dream of what I wanted to do my entire life, like, I think we all have this like one, like, you know, dream in our head of what it, what it is. I wanted to be this guy who sat in this glass office on the 30th floor it had a crap ton of people around me working, not for me, but with me. And I was just helping lead them as their CEO, president, whatever it may be. And, you know, when I got to college, I kind of lost that dream because I got so caught up in like, 
I need to figure this out because I only have four years and in four years I need to start my career and I need to be, you know, on the way. But as I went through college, I realized that there's so many different aspects to careers and it changed every single year. So at first I wanted to be a doctor. Then I was like, you know what, maybe I want to work in sports. Now I want to be an entrepreneur and I want to take over my dad's business. No, I want to be a corporate guy. And when I got to my senior year was when I realized like big corporations were exactly what I wanted to do. And after embarking on senior year and then getting into a big corporation, my dream went from being a CEO at a Fortune 500 company to being maybe the CMO at a Fortune 500 company, or maybe the CMO at a, at a small to medium sized company and really being able to like dive deep into it and help people grow. Um, so I would say like your dream is always going to change. Um, your goals are always going to change. My goals and dreams change yearly when I think about my career and what it is that I'm doing. And I would say it's a product of one, like your environment. And then two, it's also a product of kind of like understanding those people that are at those levels and who live those lifestyles that you see. And is it something that you want to do? One last thing I'll, I'll tell you on this one, Jamie, is that my, my goal for, and dream from being a CEO uh, diminished, I would say, after I met the CEO of Nestle. I realized that the man was on the road like 11 months out of the year and only got to spend like very minimal time with his family. And for me, at least in my life, I want to, I do want to have a family at some point. I'm single, so I don't have a girlfriend. Like that's, that's far down the, down the path. Right. But I do know at some point in my life, like I want to settle down, have a wife, have kids and really be involved in my kids' lives. And the only way that I'll be able to do that is by not traveling so as much as I do today and definitely not traveling 11 months out of the year because then I'd never truly be home to help my kids out. And for me, that I was that was more important than running an organization and making millions and millions of dollars. So I would say like your, your dreams and goals are always going to change. The number one thing that I would recommend to you guys though is write them down. And I keep a whiteboard actually in my room and it has my short-term goals, my long-term goals, and then like what does Chase look like in 20 years? And if my goals actually don't like match up to what Chase wants to look like in 20 years before he retires, then I'm like, I can't do that. Or I need to change this or I need to think about that differently. And goals are a very intentional thing that will help you kind of stay on track. And I would really encourage you guys to at least like write them down because when you keep them in your head, they end up changing and you end up losing focus on them. But if you could at least like revisit them monthly, every three months, every six months, every year even, then you'll at least start achieving those goals. And the one thing I was always taught was checklists are great things. And when you're able to cross something off or check it off, like that is the number one thing that'll help you continue moving forward in your, not only like professional life, but in your, your personal life as well. So I would say like, keep your goals um, top of mind at all, at all times and also write them down. So that way you guys just have them down on paper. And then you could always refer back to them whenever you feel like you're in a rut and when you feel like you're not moving forward or when you know that you're moving very, very fast and you're like, oh shit, I just accomplished all these goals already. So that's, that's how I would go about it. But yeah, my, my seven, seven major changes and, and you think about how many times you change your, your dream every once in a while. <laughs> how do you stay connected with this? And you mentioned that you really, you're passionate about the university. So how do you stay connected? Yeah. Um, so Becca is really my, my number one key point of contact. Um, I stay in good contact with Woody O'Kane as well, who runs like the alumni relations. But in reality, I think it's Stetson does a, a, a relatively good job at staying in contact with alumni, but I also think it's on alumni to stay in contact with the school. Um, the school has 3000 plus students there, so they have a lot of things going on at all times. They have a lot of people to, to manage and to worry about. And for me, I have a reminder on my calendar every quarter to reach back out and say, is there anything that I could do to help? Uh, do you guys need me to come down to the land at any point in time to speak with students or to just give a good lay of the land on what I'm doing? Um, and then the last thing that I have to, that I do is donate. And, you know, I don't, first off, when you graduate, don't donate a damn cent, like keep your money, save your money, but it is a tax write-off. And it is something that I, I am very passionate about. I have plenty of friends who give back to Stetson in other ways, um, besides just monetarily, but I also donate back to the school. And when you do donate, they, they end up giving you a little bit more special attention just because they know that you're invested financially. Um, so in reality, I mean, I take the initiative every time Becca and Olivia have done a great job of reaching out to me anytime there's an opportunity to actually sit down and, and talk with you guys or just come back to campus for 
anything that's fun. I did the cash cab game two years ago during homecoming, which was a lot of fun. Um, I've been a cultural credit before, which was awesome. I had to get 23 my senior year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, talk <laughs> about slacking uh, freshman through junior year. So, <laughs> could you guys give this to me? So that way when my future son or daughter goes to Stetson, they could have that cultural credit. But um, you know, I, I just, I always try to come back to the land as often as I can. Um, it's a fun city. It's getting even more popping than it was when I was, you know, graduating in 2016. And it's, you guys are awesome. And I, I truly believe in Stetson students. So that's where, you know, my involvement comes is one, my belief in you guys of being great and successful in, in your lives and your careers. And then secondarily, just being, being intentional about reaching out and always saying, if you guys need anything, I always have a, a lending hand, whether it's monetarily or whether it's just me personally. And I'd rather give back personally than I would monetarily. Does that make sense? So when you first got out of college, how did you manage balancing both uh, financial stability and just kind of like having a life outside in general? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question because that's something that I learned in college that you don't, you don't learn that in college. You know what I mean? And when I first moved to Seattle, the first thing I learned was cost of living out here is really freaking expensive. Like it's like moving to damn New York. And it was, it was a challenge to be honest with you, because Moving to a new city, you want to meet new people and you want to meet new people immediately. You want to find a friend group. You want to do all these different things, but you also want to kill it in your career. And you also want to try to save money because you're like, this is the first time I'm making this amount of money. Wow, it's a lot. And I want to start saving for my future. So I'll tell you guys one thing that one of my mentors told me, and he's an executive um, who just actually uh, retired from Jamba Juice. He was a COO there. And he told me, your first year out of college, you should live almost paycheck to paycheck. Have a little bit to get by when, when you're getting up on your next paycheck, but you should really truly be having a great time and enjoying your, your time that you have. So that's exactly what I did. I spent more time at happy hours with coworkers than I did when I was than I did in my own apartment. I tried to be intentional and I, I downloaded like meetups and I was on Facebook all the time, just trying to go out there and meet new people because in reality, I didn't know anybody in Seattle besides my uncle. And I love them to death, but hanging out with somebody in their 50s versus hanging out with somebody in their 20s is very different, right? And I would say that the financial balance is difficult. I would, so if you get into a big corporation, they're going to give you a 401k plan and they're going to match up to a certain percentage. I'll call it 10% for, for ease. I would consider that your savings for your first year, maybe year and a half. And I would just throw as much in there as possible. So if they match up to 10%, I would throw up to 10% in there. Because that gets pulled out of your paycheck immediately. So you don't even see that money, right? And coming out of that, then you're like, okay, well, I have you know a couple hundred dollars to spend over the next two weeks. I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to either go out twice a week. I'm going to go out three times a week. I'm going to go out every Friday night and go meet new people. And I'm going to go eat at different restaurants. Like The one thing for me was being vulnerable enough and confident enough in myself to go sit down at a bar by myself. That shit was uncomfortable. When I first grabbed, could you imagine going to Persimmon Hollow by yourself, sitting down at the bar and just enjoying a beer? Nope. Right. It, it's, it seems odd, but when you enter the, the professional life and you're kind of out of that, uh, I'll call it a college bubble because you're on a campus, you have to put yourself out there. And for me, it was really like, I'm going to go to the bar, I'm going to sit down and then I'm going to watch what I enjoy, which is basketball and football on TV. And I'm going to talk to the people around me and you essentially treat it almost as like dating <laughs> as, as weird as that sounds. Cause you're trying out new friends, you're meeting new people, whether they're guys or gals, and you're just trying to like, you know, figure out your way in the, in the city. And I would say taking into account the fact that like one, I, I had a budget myself. So I have a template that I could send you guys um, that will help you kind of budget from weekly, monthly, quarterly, just to understand how much you you actually have like to spend and then I realized, I was like, all right, I got $40 and it's Friday night and I get paid next Friday. I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend $30. And shit, sometimes I'd spend 30, sometimes I'd spend 50, sometimes I'd spend 90. But like making sure that you're always kind of like conscious of it while also really honing in on the fact that like your financials are not, at least for me, you're my priority in year one. And my priorities in year one were to kill it in my career and make some friends. And during that time, I met some some people who are now long uh, lifelong friends. I did really well in my career. Ended up getting promoted, even though we lost. I lost my job, as I mentioned earlier. And then coming out of that, I actually got a financial advisor going into my second year, 
And he helped me really think about cash flow and investments and then also saving. And the one thing that I'll tell you guys about a lot of financial advisors is a lot of them are free. So you don't even have to pay for them. They'll sell you on supplemental life insurance. They'll sell you on supplemental disability insurance. That'll go on top of your like corporate insurance. It's very, very cheap. It's like five to $7 a month for the, for both of them. And you could essentially end up having, Oh, excuse me, access to your financial advisor every single day. We were just texting last night. He's on the East coast. I'm on the West coast. It was 10 o'clock my time. It was one o'clock your guys's time. And he was texting me about some things because he needed some information from me. And I also had questions. So I would say like, just be, be cognizant of it, but also like in year one, don't try to stretch yourself too thin because you do want to enjoy your life. And you just, you're coming out of college where you're used to going out a lot more than you're going to be able to in your professional life. So I would say like, take care of your mental health and really truly like do the things that you like and you enjoy. And then once you get out there and you, you have that solid friend group and say you already have that solid friend group, then start thinking about where you can cut back. My biggest problem was eating out six days a week and buying my lunch every single day at work. So I realized that if I cut that back, I could have an additional 40, 40 bucks a, a week for lunch. And then I could also have like an additional call it like $200 a week for dinner. And I started cooking more. I wasn't good at cooking and I had to learn how to cook. And it took a long time of eating bad dinners to have a good dinner finally. But like, that's a part of adulthood too, is just kind of learning, learning your way. And I'll tell you guys this too, is that you'll each learn your own financial exercises and how you'll actually be able to save. For me, the best thing for me is like set it and forget it. So I have part of my paycheck actually go to a savings account that I never check because I don't want to see that money. I don't want to see that money for the next five years or next 10 years, unless an emergency comes up and I'll check in it on check in on it every once in a while, just to make sure that the account is still there and to make sure that I still have money in there. But um, other than that, I mean, I would just say like, focus on you, on you for the first two years and really help build yourself out and become the, the true professional that you want to be or that you aspire to be. And then that fi the finances part will, will come with that. And you'll, I mean, you'll realize this more than ever when you become a professional, but like money allows you to do things, whether you go out, whether you go hiking, whether you, you know what I mean? And I'm not, I'm not saying that in a bad way, but you'll figure out how you want to end up saving and how you want to spend your money based on just your habits. And you'll, and again, like figure out what you like and then figure out what, what, where you can cut back. And then I would start just kind of weaning that out. For me, it was like, all right, I'm going to bring lunch three days a week. Now I'm going to bring lunch four days a week. Now I'm bringing lunch every day. Um, and then, it, and it was also like, you know, what else can I do to cut back? And that, for me, that was eating out all the time. Does that help? Yeah. Cool. All right. I got, we got time for two more questions. Y'all hit me with some heavy hitters. <laughs> I mean, I thought they were all heavy hitters. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, what would you say has been the highlight of your professional life or this year? Kind of touch on that. one's, I actually haven't thought of this one before. That's a really good question. Um, I'll give you guys, I'll give you guys two highlights. Um, so my first year working in my career, um, I was tasked with running an entire campaign for our summer promotion, our summer campaign. And I was like, I've never done this before. Don't really know what I'm doing, but let's think outside the box and think of something cool that we've never done before. And I thought of a sweepstakes. Everyone loves sweepstakes. Everyone loves winning things. Like, let's do it. So I drafted up like a couple like slides and, and PowerPoint, presented it to my manager. She really liked it. I ended up talking to an outside vendor. And then I went on a freaking journey that I did not think was going to take five months for this to get approved. Um, so, I, <laughs> so I ended up meeting with my president at the time and he was like, hell no. We're not doing a damn sweepstakes. That's that's so junior level. There's no way we're ever going to do that. Like Chase, there's no way I'm ever going to be convinced of this. And I was convinced that we should do it. I was like, we got to think outside the box. We got to do new things. Like, please, please, please help me. So I started thinking a little bit differently. And then after doing a little bit of research online and realizing that the best sweepstakes have like partners and that a lot of millennials such as yourself and I love startup companies, I reached out to a startup company and was like, hey guys, like we're trying to run a sweepstakes would you guys be interested long story short we ended up getting contract with them contracted them out and then after about four or five months i went back to my uh to my president and presented the, the same deck to him with a little bit more added color and context and he looked at me and he was like let's do it let's do it 
I will give you the budget for it. I'll give you the money for it. Like, let's see how this thing goes. And it ended up being one of the most successful promotions that we've had in Tivana history. It will be the most successful uh, promotion in Tivana history now that the business is closed. So super proud of that, that part. And in reality, like that's just one kind of like example of a professional highlight from, you know, a work perspective. But I'll say my other highlight would be more a, from a personal perspective. So as I told you guys before, like I love presenting, I'm good at writing papers and I'm good at presenting the two things that I was good at in school. Like you put me in a test environment and your boy is like looking left and right, trying to help have somebody else who put C for number two, because I don't know what the hell is going on here. Uh, but I really wanted to showcase my presentation skills to the entire business when I had the opportunity. And lucky enough, like at Starbucks, we did coffee tastings before every meeting. So we would pass out coffee. And for the first five minutes, people would actually like talk about the coffee. So you'd have one person presenting, talk about the coffee, talk about what you're supposed to be tasting, where it comes from, the origin, all those different things. And then from there, that, those two people leave and then the presenter comes on. So I ended up running a coffee tasting in front of the entire company and everybody liked it so much that they ended up bringing me back for what we had called our sales summit. And at Nestle, when, um, when we had our sales summit, we had about 750 people across the country all come into Seattle for, call it a conference, essentially, like an internal conference. And during that time period, I was put on for 15 minutes to do like a stretch and get people up and moving. And then also to kind of talk a little bit about my background and why it is that I work so hard. So they canceled me from the damn summit two days before the summit starts. And the fun thing about it was that they sent out an itinerary so you could see like what was going on and who else was, who else was presenting. And there was such an uproar from everybody that worked in my business that I wasn't presenting that they cut me out, that they ended up adding me back in on the last day. And they were like, I got a text message. I, I kid you not. I kid you not. I got a text message at 2.35 a.m. the morning before. And it was like, hey, Chase, if you present tomorrow, will you be ready? And I was like, well, what time do y'all want me to present? How about 9.30? 9.30, the damn summit starts at 9. Exactly. We want you to come on early. We think that you'd be great. We love your energy, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know what? F it. Yep, I'm in. I'm in. This is my one opportunity that I get to really showcase like my presentation skills. I got 15 minutes up in front of people. This is going to be awesome. So the fun part about it was that they had walk-up songs. And the person who was actually going to be uh, presenting during my time block had uh, Justin T or who was it? Instincts. Bye, bye, bye. You guys know that song. Oh, yes. um, so I walk up on the stage. I'm dancing. I'm having a good time. Like I'm just being myself. And then it ended up being the highest rated um, portion of the sales summit. And I had not a lot of content for people. I wasn't telling people how to sell. I wasn't telling people how to make money. I wasn't doing anything. I just went up there and had a good time. And for me, it was really just showcasing not only to myself, but to everybody else. Like, sure, I'm 25, I'm young, but I'm also like one of the best damn presenters here. And if y'all ever need an MC or a host, you can hire me, right? <laughs> um, but that, was, that was my biggest accomplishment, I would say, was just really, truly being able to get up there in front of, in front of almost a thousand people and just be myself, uh, be confident in myself, and then also deliver a message that really resonated with people to the point where they were like, this is freaking odd. Like, we need Chase for everything. We need Chase. Bring him back. Bring him back. And then when I left the company, um, I had a lot of emails. There's a lot of tears from other people. And I think it just kind of spoke to the gratitude that they had for me. Um, but again, like the highlight really was getting up on that stage and being like, what's up? What's going on? Like, and just being me, right? Like, I think a lot of people try to get into this place where they, they end up acting like somebody that they're not. And for me, it's like, I've always shown up to work as my truest self because that's who Chase is before work. That's who Chase is after work. So why would Chase be any different when he gets to work? Um, and that's one thing that I hold very true to myself and I'm very proud of. So I would say just like being true to myself, you know, getting up on stage in front of a lot of people and being able to present. And then lastly, the biggest thing for me was obviously the getting the sweepstakes through in my first year of my career. That was a, that was a good question though. That, that shit hit me hard. <laughs> make you think uh, i guess we can ask the last question so what advice would you give to any session soon whether they be finishing their freshman year they're finishing up their college career period or recently getting hired <laughs> after college what's yeah. your advice yeah I, I love that question rob i think 
question. It is a heavy question, but I got I got answers for you guys. I would say, you know, everything that I've touched on today, I'm just going to retouch on it. I'm going to highlight them for you because those are my top tips. So number one, I would say it takes a village and truly lean on your network. Um, whether it's your parents, whether it's your uncle, whether it's me, whether it's other Stetson alumni or people that you've met via LinkedIn, ask for help. Don't be afraid to do it. My little brother is actually going through the internship process right now. He's applying for an internship. He's a, he's a junior in college at Rice University down in Houston. And when he was getting ready for his internship or the internship process, I kept texting him and saying, if you need help, let me know. If you need help, let me know. If you need help, let me know. And I don't want to say he was stubborn about it, but he definitely was like, it's okay. Like I got this like 4.0 student. I do all these other things. I'm involved. Like I know what I'm doing. And at the end of the day, he realized that he didn't, he needed to lean on, on his network and, and his, his family to help him get the internship that he wanted. And right now he's interviewing for a couple of big companies. And one of my friends who works for one of those big companies is actually helped. And she's a Stetson grad as well, but she's helping him throughout the entire process. Right. And he never would have been able to get involved in, and in contact with her if he didn't reach out to me and say, Chase, I just need a little bit of help. Like, I want to go work for this big tech company. Can you at least just get me involved with like, or in contact with one person? And I literally just sent her a text and was like, my brother needs help. He's looking for to get into your company with an internship. Could do you mind talking to him for 30 minutes? And they have a better relationship than I do now. So I'm like, hold up. I was at your wedding. You can't be doing this to me, but I'm glad that you guys are at least helping each other. So I would say one takes a village and I would say like parlaying onto that with the networking aspect of it. And then two, I would just say, be confident in yourself when it comes down to like interviewing and understand like shit, when it comes down to interviewing and also just like being a professional outside of outside of work, inside of work, all that fun stuff. One thing that I've realized in my career is that those who are confident in themselves, even if they're wrong, end up doing well and they end up gaining respect from other people. And the one thing that you're going to need when you get to a corporation or just an environment, just in general, when you're working is you want people to respect you. They don't have to like you, but they respect the work that you do and know that you guys are coming out with great things that you're, that you're doing, right? Like I don't know Rob, but I know that I respect Rob because Rob does great work. Rob and I might never grab a beer. We might never be friends. And, and I'm, I'm being hypothetical, right? Because yeah. I, I was grabbing, a, grabbing a glass of wine together. Um, but I would say like being confident in yourself and really showing up the same every day is, is key to just moving forward in life. Like I, I'll be honest with you guys coming out of college. I had a lot of anxiety because I didn't know what I was embarking on. And I kind of hid in my apartment for the first couple of weeks because I was like, I don't know anything about Seattle. I don't really want to go sit at a bar by myself. Like I don't, I don't want to do all these things by myself. I'm used to doing them with teammates or friends or family members or cousins or uncle like I'm used to doing things with people but being confident but like after I kind of got over that and started becoming more confident in myself was when I saw myself flourish and not only in my professional career but in all the things I wanted to do whether it was learning how to snowboard whether it was learning how to ski or going out and playing basketball with a bunch of different guys who I had never met before like being confident in yourself is going to take you so far and not only in your professional life but in your personal life and it's going to be one of those things where I mentioned mental health earlier. And I think that just knowing who you are and being super confident in yourself is going to help you, you know, move beyond measures of what, whatever it is that you want to accomplish. And I'll leave you guys with one last um, tip. And I would say just be knowledgeable and whether it's be knowledgeable and be vulnerable is what I'll say. And the one thing that I say about that is that like I said earlier, I, I've taken the the initiative to teach myself other things, whether it's self-guided courses on YouTube, whether it's going to Harvard Business School online and learning through there. But the more knowledge that you get, the more you'll be able to not only be able to speak to things at work, but when you go out in your professional life and you're networking with people, Rob, say, say I met you for the first time and we had not much in common and I'm being hypothetical again. And then all of a sudden you start talking about NASA and how you know you think that the X, Y, and Z are really cool about NASA and say, I was just reading an article about it the other day. I would at least have one thing in common with you for us to be able to talk about and then be able to build a connection with you. Right. Jamie say that you and I were talking and you were like, I love anthropology. And you started going down that path. And I was like, 
I don't know much about anthropology, but being vulnerable enough to say, Hey, you know what? I actually don't know that much about, about anthropology, but I'm curious to know your thoughts on that because it's really interesting. Then all of a sudden I'm showing you that I'm curious, curious, and I'm interested in what it is that you're speaking about. And then you're going to be willing to have that, that one-on-one conversation with me. And then you build a connection. Melissa, I feel like we've built a connection already just because you're, you're an accounting major in business or your business administrations major with an accounting minor, right? And oh, you're a double major. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult you like that. (laughs) Right. My, my first joke to you was like, do you like math? Nope. Oh, you like debits and credits. Yep. I don't know shit about accounting. That's about as far as my, my knowledge goes, but it, it brings that one common point for people to be able to connect. And I would say that being knowledgeable and being vulnerable is going to take you so far. And then it's also going to open up your network beyond measures. Like, you guys are going to be able to sit down with people in a large, small, medium-sized company, and you're going to say, hey, I just want to sit down and have a coffee for like 15, 30 minutes and really get to know you. And then when you find out that you guys have nothing in common besides the fact that you work for the same company, you actually do have something in common. You work for the same company, right? So like, it's that one common factor that brings people together and being able to really truly highlight those through your knowledge and also by being vulnerable enough to say like, hey, I, I really don't know about that. I, I'm sure I can factor up an opinion right now, but I'd rather hear from you on what you think about it. So that way I at least understand who you are. And then also I'm curious. I'm just a curious person. So I'll say those are my three top tips. They might change tomorrow. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore millennial way and check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next Winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is The Millennial Way, tailoring the next generation of leaders.